Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. All right, good morning everyone. It's Wednesday, July 29th on the show today. Oh, this is a fun one. Uh, you've got myself, since I'm speaking. <laughs> Tyler's with us. Hey, Russ man. is back again, again, yes! again. It's awesome. Yep. I'm Making here. it regular. I think this is going to work out. We also have Doug DeFrank. Hey, guys. Doug. What's up, Doug? How's everyone doing listeners, this Our hundreds of thousands of million, billion listeners. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Fun things. Sure, sure. So uh, no pressure there. Um, but yeah, my name is Doug DeFrank. I am based out of the Pittsburgh area here in Pennsylvania. And uh, I'm a uh, technical account manager with VMware. Uh, but prior to that, I was working for a... Uh, a large healthcare provider here in the Pittsburgh region, and uh, have been rather active in the the VMware V community, if you would, uh, for the last couple of years. So, hello to everyone. Shout out to Pittsburgh. Hey, not everybody knows I was born up there. Oh yeah, that's where I hail from originally, but I've been in Texas for a very long time. Ah, yeah, I did a short stint where uh, I was in the uh, uh, south of Pittsburgh for a while. Moved to the uh, uh, Maryland side of DC for a few years, and then came back to Pittsburgh. Very cool. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I think we're going to kick this off with, uh, with some news from Russ. Did anyone happen to catch the poll results that I sent out? I know. I, I saw them trending towards uh, three days a week, if that's what you're getting at. Yeah. So the question that we posted yesterday morning, looks like the poll is still going, but we're testing the idea of moving to Monday, Wednesday, Friday, instead of every weekday uh, for a number of different reasons. Uh, but Number one for this week was our own sanity just because of how crazy busy uh, we all are. But it looks like 70% said, cool, sounds good. 30% said, no, I need tech breakfast podcast every day. Uh, of course they did. Uh, yeah. Thank you for the for the uh, love. But uh, yeah, it looks like we'll probably be doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, at least for this week. But we'll probably try that out for a couple of weeks, see how it goes in terms of our own sanity, see how it goes yeah. in terms of news cycles uh, and all that kind of stuff. Because publishing every single day, it seems like we kind of get out ahead of people at times. If we watch the analytics, uh, where there'll be a spike and I've got to, I'm kind of still trying to figure out exactly how that is. I'm working with anchor to help them develop their analytics platform a little bit, giving them ideas that they can feed back. I was having a conversation with them yesterday, uh, working with their developers on stuff that they can give that will help podcasters better. But I think for now, we'll probably switch to Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So yeah. Okay. Let's get to the news. Yeah. yeah. Russ, the what you it. got, man? Okay. First thing uh, that I have here is is actually, you know, we've, we've probably talked a decent amount about the change that COVID-19 has had really on, on all of our lives in one way, shape or form. And, and one of those has definitely been the consumption of digital media, right? I think I think that that has, that has grown dramatically. And it looks as though... Uh, you know the the release time for for films that go to theater, and then they also they obviously progress to different platforms after that uh, yeah. is being reduced drastically. Uh, so I guess it looks like the typical time, which honestly I would have guessed longer. In fact, you know what? Before I say it, who wants to guess how long the typical time is between theatrical end date to uh, you know moving to a digital platform? If it's wait, it like is it, is this across days, the board, or is it days. is it for blockbusters? Uh, so this general is rules and agreements, right? So yeah, AMC and Universal are the ones making this agreement. So oh, I did see films. Yeah, I did see that. Uh, uh, what what it is it now, but I don't know what it was yeah. before. Uh, I would have guessed maybe like sixty days, perhaps. But 
That's more aggressive than I would have. I would have said. Uh, I, to me, I guess it maybe I just get impatient and it feels way longer because because I'm a person who rewatches movies that I've seen uh, fairly often, and so it you know it is close to that seventy to ninety days is the average. Yeah, okay. uh, it is moving down to just seventeen days, so wow. it will be a pretty dramatic shift. You know, that's uh, from how fast it moves to to digital. I read a few things about that a while back now, so I'm definitely not looking at the same headline you were probably tracking. But um, I wonder what the long-term impact to things like movie theaters is going to be as a result of this. And, you know, we talk about people moving out of cities. We've talked about the work-from-home stuff. We've talked about a lot of the commercial real estate impacts. But this one in particular, I think, is going to be really acute because if the content is indefinitely going to be available that quickly i think you'll see a lot of people that during covid if assuming they weren't you know dramatically impacted financially they probably got a bigger nicer tv and maybe a couple of speakers and now they've got a setup where it's like ah you know what i can get i can get 4k content streamed to my you know 60 inch television um and i only have to wait like two and a half weeks to get the blockbuster hit and then as long as the pricing is kind of in line with uh, a movie theater experience or, or lower, maybe less. Yeah, there's no bit. way it's going to be that high. So just, <laughs> yeah, you know, theater just, experiences lately have been like the full-blown diner experience, right? Where yeah, so it's $20 right. for the movie itself, just yeah. so FYI. That's, that's what, what they're saying. Yeah. It's premium I was expecting it to be $20. higher. Exactly. So there you go. I, I figured you'd be paying more for this than you would for a movie theater. That there's no way that Universal and what was the other AMC? Or uh, yeah, the other? Universal and AMC are the ones who have made yeah. this this agreement there's, to let. There's let no way that, that they were going to negotiate releasing that stuff quickly so that people would have them in their houses and not charge a premium for it. And so, sure. twenty bucks for a movie. There you go. And, no, and, and no that's, fancy that's chairs honestly, unless you bought it yourself. That's where you know. That's where a lot of these movies are, especially if you see some of these. Uh, I don't know how much you guys use uh, Amazon Prime Video, but I have Fire TVs, so yeah. So we'll see it fairly often, and they do these these early, like early yeah. access or early release, and those are usually around twenty bucks, maybe sometimes yeah. twenty five for like the four K version or something like that that's for the true. first few weeks. So it's it's in line with you know the premium pricing of of the movies that are up there. So I I agree. I think this is going to be an interesting shift. It's also one that's sort of concerning for me because i actually really really like the movie theater experience uh i'm so i'm hoping that it doesn't too drastically uh affect movie theaters in in a negative fashion i'm just i'm a very big fan of going to movies i want to see the new top gun in a movie theater and if i don't get to it you're very upset so (laughs) you know dude we're going it's gonna it's gonna happen it's it's gonna be a thing yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for, you know, the movie theater experience. You go to the theater to, to see the movie. You're kind of isolated from reality for a little bit, you know, and, and that sort of thing. But I know um, some some of us, maybe like with younger families, for instance, you know, it's hard to get the, the, the kid to the theater to see a movie that's appropriate, maybe, and, and then to get them to sit still, you know, not spill the popcorn, not spill the drink. <laughs> Obviously not everybody has that that issue, uh, right? But um, but I know even, even some... Um, uh, I have I have a family member that uh, even pre-COVID, right before all of the uh, 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 the pandemic and, and the lockdowns and what have you, um, they they were uh, still fearful of going to theaters just because of what happened in Colorado several years ago with the uh, the theater shooting yeah. and and you know uh, so they they kind of quit going to the movie theater for for that reason. So um, 
you know, the other thing too, is if you, if you get to watch this experience at home, you do have the ability to pause and not miss content. Yeah. If you, you know, uh, need to go to the restroom or need a refill or, or just what have yeah. you. So that one's a big um, one for my, my wife and her, you know, sort of opinion of whether or not you wait three months apparently to get a, a video at home versus going and seeing the theater is that she, she doesn't love the theater experience. I enjoy it sometimes for just bigger sound, bigger, bigger, visual stage right but uh the the creature comforts of being in your own space sometimes trump that actually in our in our house often because it comes with dollars as well so <laughs> hmm. yeah i think you know i just i grew up and it's like my, my parents are both divorced and remarried from a very early age so I've, I've always had this this split so it's like when i go to my dad's on the weekends it was we would go to the movie theater and so it's yeah, just a cool. You know, I, I, my sister and I, we love going to movie theaters. Luckily my wife also loves going, but like my, my brother-in-law has zero interest. He, he just doesn't want to, he doesn't like, he doesn't watch movies in general. So going to a movie theater is sort of out of the question for him. (laughs) So it's, it's crazy that my my sister and I have this attachment to where we end up going and seeing things together because he will not go uh, or she'll go with my, my wife and I. So it's, it's, it's something I think that, you know, I grew up with and my friends and I, we grew up, we went and saw. I mean, that's what we did on the weekends. We go see, we saw almost every movie that, you know, at least a high school kid would want to go see. And it was, it was just something that was a big part of me growing up. And so I'm really hoping it stays around. Cause we just, like I said, we didn't love, oh, we love it's going, going it's, it's expensive, right? But it, it's kind of like, it's expensive, kind of like the way that going to, you know, the ballpark is expensive. Like you sort sure. of expect for certain things to be expensive. It's almost a part <laughs> yeah. of the experience. Yeah, well, you so pay like, more for popcorn. You pay more for yeah. a drink. You pay more for a hot dog and a pickle. You know, Dude, we it, went it, on this. Okay. This show is totally turning into the view, but like a tech version. <laughs> <laughs> I took my kids to dollar hot dog night. None of them wanted hot dogs. What? I was spending $53 on burgers ah, and cotton candy and ice cream and all that. Awesome. helmet and all this. See, oh, that's the difference between you and me, Aaron. If I showed up on dollar hot dog night, there would have been nothing else on the menu or the kids would have had to pay with their own money. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sucker. Okay. Yes, you are. beat that one to death. I uh, think yeah, so. It did. It did. <laughs> but yeah, 17 days. You're going to have to set your watch because, man, that's crazy. Okay. Uh, Russ, you brought this up a few times already this week or last week. I don't know what day or week it is, but <laughs> I saw yesterday they it? announced Intel. Uh, the the chief engineer is out. Yeah, he's out. Seven nanometer product delays. Yep they're they're making some some changes for sure. Yeah, you it's know, like uh, Dr. Ann Kelleher will lead the technology development now under the reorg. Something, Honestly, something else. It's, all, it's all bad news. Yeah, it really. Um, is. Intel shortages um, could last until 2023, as TSMC <sighs> reportedly won't make extra capacity. Oh, so it, I guess it's. I don't know if they're just sticking it to them or or, yeah, or right? what. Um, That's but a it's burn. Basically, Intel has had zero good news, and AMD is just just flourishing. I mean, yesterday they released earnings and they kind of yeah. announced some of their roadmap stuff, and it was like they were super bullish on everything you know yep. and they and they should be so it's just it is this very very you know heavily tipped scale not in intel's favor over the no. last five six days well and and the other thing too is like all of this you know sort of fervor in the news has been about the seven nanometer stuff because obviously it's a huge miss to see that delayed again but the article that i was reading about it this morning actually pointed out that they, they had another absolutely massive scale miss 
when they failed to even produce a competitive product for low power consumption, um, basically mobile chipsets. They don't play there. Yep. They, they missed don't. the mobile phone market. They're, I mean, they they probably that engineering and and not to say the whole team should just be deleted or anything, but missing that one was probably worse than the seven nanometer slip. And you know, I, in, with with Apple's recent, I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, with Apple's recent announcements, hey, we're shifting to our own, you know, basic Apple chipsets, you know, by Intel. That I'm sure that didn't help either. No, it, yeah. it definitely on, didn't. Right? Um, although it's interesting, I have I have something about not just Apple, but four big tech giants in here. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But the uh, that was kind of what I was referring to. I don't know if it was the last episode or the one before when I was saying they need to focus on other areas than, than just fabrication. It's they need to yeah. they need to be focusing on what they do about ARM, even if that means they license someone else's product for once. You know, it's like they need to play in that space. And uh, that's that's just a huge miss, and I, I'm seeing it more and more. Yeah. I mean, not only is Apple moving to it, um, you know, I own a Chromebook that that runs on ARM. There's Windows has ran on ARM in some way, shape, or form for the last several years. In fact, a few new uh, laptops released recently that have it. So it's they really have to get that stuff figured out. And so I I think they really need to lean into this moving away from from being the actual actual producers of the product. And, and work on design and focus on, you know, they need to pull a Sundar Pakai or not Sundar Pakai. I'm sorry. Who is the, is that the, which one's the Microsoft CEO? Satya Nadella. They need oh, to, yeah, yeah. Satya to just reinvent yeah. this company. You know, like they, yeah. he, he's done a phenomenal job with Microsoft in my opinion. And I, and I feel yeah. like I most people, you know, agree. they probably Intel needs to go through that type of transition in my opinion, and just move away from their age old adage of what they've done before has made them in this dominant position. Don't, don't get me wrong. We owe them a lot. They need to focus and, and change their direction and probably quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And uh, I, I got a hint uh, or, or I heard you drop a hint there about the, the big or four big tech firm news. And, and I'm going to make a guess at it. Is it the uh, Facebook, Google, Apple and Amazon CEOs testifying in front of Congress? It is. Yes, that is, that that is, absolutely is going to be the one. very interesting. I'm watching that real close. Um, so, so did yeah. y'all see their opening statements and kind yes. of what came yeah, from how it? They were all. Yeah, how they're like, oh, we're not the big bad monster, you know. We're facing competition from this, that, and the other thing, and yeah. So it's interesting. So I, I, I found it's actually from The Verge. You know, picked out some explicit pieces that are pulled from that, right? So there, there's a few common themes here, <clears throat> or individual themes as well. So all all of them are saying we face intense competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's we're not a monopoly. <laughs> Amazon's talking about. That? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I, I was actually reading through a couple of them. I think Amazon has a tough case here. I think Facebook has the toughest case by far. Um, but Apple, I actually agree with. Um, of of all the four, I mean, they 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 literally point out they're like, well, the 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 smartphone market is very competitive, and Apple okay. straight up said it's like we don't have a mark a dominant market share in any market that they do business, which is true. That's and, interesting, and they yeah. and they, they never really have. I mean, and it's not even close, by the way. I mean, no, the yeah, no, it makes sense. Like twenty percent from a market share perspective right. around the world, and even in the U.S., where it is a, a much more dominant product compared to the rest of the world, it's not even half. It's in the in mid to high forties, depending on the year. So, 
you know, it's just, uh, a I, I'm, I, I actually agree with, with Tim Cook's approach here yeah. is that they, they realistically are not dominant in every area. But I think where people are focusing is more on the, the app store and their 30% cut and the fact that yeah. they sort of, and I don't know if this is, <clears throat> I don't know if their fault is the right term. I guess they have somewhat of an, of a monopoly on people who are willing to spend money on applications. What an absurd monopoly. It, it, no, but, but I think but that's where we talked about is. PUBG mobile, $3 billion. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They're at. And but, it, but it, I it think, seems that their defense is always the walled garden approach. If we, if we sure. you know, are our own app store, we can control it and police it a little bit better than if we allow multiple app stores, you know, has always seemed to have been their yeah. approach. Right. Well, that's See, what but, they did to Hay as well. Right. They, oh, they yeah, didn't yeah, want, yeah. Uh, so so they stopped Hayes' email application by saying, "Look, you can't have this in here as a free download." And then they have to subscribe through Hayes' service in order for it get to in order for it to work. That's they right. Need to subscribe through the App Store and pay through. But the I app think that's store. exactly why pay. they're in front of Congress having this conversation. Because Russ, I agree with you at a high level. If you look at Apple's business, and you say, "Do you have competition in the cell phones?" Yes. Do you have competition in your services? Yes. Do you have competition in uh, mobile computing devices. Absolutely, no question. But what percentage of their revenue comes from that app store? And just like Google had antitrust problems and Microsoft had antitrust problems in the UK in particular, in the EU, EU I mean, when you, when you release something like a Microsoft PC and the default browser is always Edge, or I'm sure what, uh, you know, earlier versions, um, that's an issue. There's there's a ton of money tied up in something that they have singular control over, and mm-hmm. ultimately they can manipulate prices as a result. And the thirty percent is a perfect example. They don't negotiate that almost ever, right? So they, they just, don't, yeah, it just because they captured that market, they are effectively putting a thirty percent tax on anything that a developer does there, or they're taking it away from the developers. So when I see stuff like this, I I would agree with your assessment from the top down that they're probably the most defendable when it comes to competition. But they have parts of their business at a what one point five trillion dollar valuation that that is absolutely monopolistic and probably should be at least scrutinized. And I'm not saying go shatter it or destroy the market, but if other marketplaces could be easily opened an iPhone, would it stop you from using Apple's marketplace? I don't know. It's not me. It's not my user. But my guess is that a lot of people will continue to use it. More importantly, if they didn't, it's because of competition. Yeah. You know, there's honestly, so here's the thing for all four of these um, ind- individual entities here. They they all have, from a certain perspective, an argument that makes sense. Sure. And so the the people who are listening need to be paying very very close attention and focus on a a, pr- a perspective that is negatively impacting whether it's the economy or their employees or whatever because they sure. all have some semblance of that. But I think with Apple, the thing that they're going to defend here is it's, it's interesting actually. So there's a number here. After beginning with 500 apps today, the App Store hosts more than 1.7 million only 60 of which are Apple software. Clearly, if Apple is a gatekeeper, what we have done is open the gate wider. We want to keep every app we can on the store, not keep them off. So that, that's sort of their spin on that. Sure. And then the 30% yeah, thing, they, they do. Of course they want <laughs> revenue. And and the, the yeah. 30% thing is incredibly interesting because that's actually somewhat of an industry standard in digital purchases. 
I mean, yeah, Steam I've read that has before, a yeah. has a borderline monopoly on the the yeah. PC gaming market. Not anymore, it's, Epic. It's, it's changing. <laughs> um, but there have been digital stores going on I for know. a while, um, yeah. and, and the Epic made a big splash when they announced only a twelve percent cut, um, which is you know a, a pretty a pretty low margin to to operate the business sure. on. But it's they. This is what competition does, though. You it's find just, people. If, he, if, if Epic found a way to deliver a similar experience with a 12% margin, they then haven't. then they are well, – don't get me wrong. Just they so may clear. find that, – <laughs> no, that, that's good. That's a really good point, right? Because ultimately, that's what it comes down to. You're going to have discount players enter the market to disrupt giants, disrupt the big biggest players. That's just standard market economics there. But if somebody finds a way to do it at less than 30% and make a profit – then they will drive the cost down. And that's the whole point of antitrust. It's, oh, yeah. are you ultimately artificially increasing the price of this service because you're the only one that offers it and you have created an ecosystem where the barriers to entry to compete with you are effectively zero or, or extremely, or sorry, the opposite, extremely high or, or there is no opportunity to do it. So the whole point is, should someone be able to compete with you. And if they should, then we need to regulate that the rules say you must do these things, open your platform up to another store, whatever the answer is, right? But basically, you, you can't get in the way of that stuff happening anymore. Like, again, I'm going to go back to what happened with Microsoft and and uh, I don't think it was Edge at the time. It was probably uh, Internet, Internet Explorer. Explorer. Right? Explorer. But um, yeah. they could not make it a default. And if I remember correctly, at least a few of those suits said they went so far as that Internet Explorer couldn't be like the front and center option, even when they give you choices on the surface. So they had to randomize placement of objects when they were, were dropping it in their icons, I should say. Um, See, I thought it and the whole point there from the OS altogether. Well, I think it yeah. was, but but Microsoft's response to that was to say, "Hey, do you want to install a browser?" And it gave options and. For a little while, the first option or the most prominent option yeah. was once again Internet Explorer. They got they got busted there too, and they just said you're taking advantage of your position as the OS in a new competitive market and saying basically what what they deemed was anti-competitive behavior. You're saying, do you want to download a browser? Make it Internet Explorer. Make it Internet Explorer. Make yeah. it Internet Explorer. And and so they they jostled that up. And that's the point. It's they're not trying to destroy the Apple marketplace in that case. They're just trying to make the platform a competitive platform for marketplaces, perhaps. So man, here, Russ, you gotta go. Do you do you need to go right now? Can I ask a quick question? Ask a quick question. Let's get okay. It. Uh so and I wonder if I'm alone in this, but when I look at when I read some of this stuff and I talk about okay, yeah, Facebook acquired Instagram for a billion dollars in 2012. Sure, fine. Uh, it acquired WhatsApp for nineteen billion dollars in twenty fourteen. Now let's not even get into the difference there and all that. But and then Senator Elizabeth Warren says uh, she she accused Facebook of using its acquisitions of Instagram and WhatsApp to limit competition. Mm-hmm. She said that if she were elected president, she would appoint regulators to unwind these anti competitive mergers. In my mind, the we could get into generational differences, all this kind of stuff. But what I see. As we move forward, those things will just naturally fall off the truck anyway because they won't mm-hmm. be as cool or they won't be that next-gen thing. And that kind of is what that tech community, tech feel, consumer experience is. I mean, like, who saw TikTok come out of nowhere, right? Like, who predicted that? 
Right. Now it's got its own right. China issues and all that kind of junk and whatnot. But um, did anything stop them from creating a, a massive hit that generated billions of dollars in revenue? No, Would it didn't. Unwinding didn't. WhatsApp out of Facebook have helped TikTok better? No, totally unrelated. Right. And I think yeah. we're going to see more things like that come out that. I, I don't know. That's just my belief in it. Anyway. I, so I think the Facebook People one is, want is difficult. Platform. E- exactly. And, and, you know, with Facebook, they're actually making an interesting case. Um, one well, of who's which... on Facebook today? Like, look at the generate. And I may get myself in just a few in hundred million, man. Here. Don't worry about it. Yeah. But but what generations is, you know, are it? Is it? What's the right English there? Which generation groups? Uh, it depends they? on which of their products. Instagram is not the same generation that's using the traditional Facebook. Whatever they buy sure. next probably won't be the one using Instagram. Yeah. So Instagram right. doesn't even really compete against Facebook. They compete against different things. Sure. Yeah. Well, yes and no, so, right? I mean, it's I would almost a social call platform. It like, it's the way people want to share pictures of their feet, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, here, here's the thing, right? There's, there's two dominant – you have to look at the business model. And there's two dominant advertising entities on the planet, it is Facebook and Google, period. Yeah. Like yeah. that is that is who Done. it is, unless it's in China. And so that's what they're looking at. And what they're what they're concerned about is did Facebook make acquisitions that prevented other entities, which business model would have obviously been global right. reach of consumers with advertising? Did they limit that and then bolster their own? So that's what they're looking at. But here's Facebook's sort of I don't know if it's a if it's a defense or or or, or what, but it's basically stating you know, we acquired WhatsApp, we acquired Instagram, and those platforms added significant amount of features that led to them being as big as they are today. Mm-hmm. I guess it's so. a, it's actually interesting because I don't disagree with the notion. Um, no, there's no. a lot of things that that we've. I, I use WhatsApp every day, uh, and I have ever since. I, I I had it when it was a paid platform before. Once it went to Facebook, became free, and they added things like video chat and, and other stuff that mm-hmm. and, and, and encryption. It blew up even more. I, I, oh, yeah. I, tons of people, you know, used it, and so I think that there's some credence to their argument, but I still think it comes down to the situation that both Google and Facebook are going to say, "Listen, y- you guys are the only people who pe- who who can functionally use advertisers, and that's it." across the world there's and and they're going to look at your behaviors and protecting that regardless of how it affects the platform itself and and i think that's the primary issue here with facebook of all these man i amazon to me is the one that that bothers me the most uh because they they have this just i look i applaud jeff for what he has accomplished (laughs) and achieved (laughs) i I wish i could be him you know and maybe everything is out of jealousy but it's just uh you don't it's want to just a yourself, dude. he's he did get 13 billion dollars in like one day the other day like it's, it's, that's not a bad day of work uh so the <laughs> thing yourself, about Russ, you're awesome. that about amazon that drives me crazy is the things that are just borderline unethical as far as like you know they go to these yeah. these investor meetings they listen to these ideas and they're like man those are great and instead of investing in the people who came up with the ideas they just go make a competing product yeah yeah and they, they have really on stuff that bothers me, right? Yeah. The, the antitrust, maybe, yeah, maybe the conversation needs to to shift a little bit. It, I think so. And, and, and that's the that's the type of stuff that bothers me because, and look, I, I work with Amazon, um, you know, and maybe I'll one day I'll probably work for Amazon. And that's my fear is that maybe one day we will all just work for Amazon. 
uh, and they because they in a inner market and, and we're and done talking have, about antitrust. <laughs> <laughs> they 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 have they have so many things that can right. offset the cost of some some other business venture that other people don't have that it makes them the ability to just be a loss leader in everything they do and Amazon even stated or or I guess it, was, it might have been Jeff himself said that he fully expects Amazon to fail one day because of the the way they run the business the margins that they do and it's just That's like wild. they're constantly just biding time to drive as long as they can until they eventually fail. That is really hard to compete with because no one else is looking forward to the day that they fail. Well, you know, and I mentioned this the other day, too. Consumers vote for these companies and whether or not what they're doing is good with their dollars, right? In some cases where you have no other option, I don't think that's a vote. It's just it's it's the only way to get a service, right? But uh, you, you look at the Walmarts of the world, you look at Amazons of the world that are, you know, doing stuff like leading with lossy products. And we're like, yep, I want to pay 25 cents less for that. I don't care what the ramifications are to the global economy, right? We're we're really bad as consumers about doing stuff like that. Yeah, we look at it and we say, worst. you don't pay your people well, you don't do sick leave, you 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 know set fire to rainforests uh, for fun on Tuesdays when you're buying T-shirts, but it costs 25 cents less, so I'm going to buy yours. Yeah, and, and look, and I'll make this last point before before I, I, I got to go. go. Yeah, and I want to hear more from Doug. I had a, <laughs> I had a a group of friends, and we were talking about you know the stuff with China and how so many things are made there, and that 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 is so we value that even if we don't like China at times because they make cheaper products. And I made the notion. I said, listen, and maybe it's a privileged position, but I said I would be willing to pay two or three hundred dollars more for a laptop than I do today to have it be made in this country and to open up jobs in the economy here and make us less reliant on, on outside resources and globalization in that manner. And, and I'd be willing to do that, you know, across a wide spectrum of things, you know, as long as it didn't all of a sudden 10 X my, you know, monthly costs of everything. And so that's where it's like, I think there's concessions in the middle where like, yes, 25 cents less for this one thing, most people are going to buy it. But I do wonder if, if there was ever a, a way that we could get to a point to where we we'd be willing to spend more, and I will tell you, the response I got from that group was no. Yeah, no. <laughs> the, yeah. the I mean, the group ranges uh, from a very wide range of of different uh, kind of demographics, and it's like sure. most people were like, no. I mean, like, I, I don't know if I would. Other people Be- agreed, and then so it's the end of the day, not your, universal. Your your shoes yeah. still represent some percentage of your you know take home income, right? So as as fun as it is to talk about how we could all change the world if we changed our buying habits. We're also a little more concerned about sending our kids to school. And obviously, yep. that's a, a singular perspective, but you get my point, right? That's Absolutely. why we do it. 100%. Well, I got to go, fellas. All right, get out of here, Russ. All right, Russ. Later. Thanks, Russ. Here, I, I got one. Doug, I definitely want to hear yeah. your thoughts on this, too. Okay. Um, and it's in this thread as well. So uh, we talked about this um, a couple weeks ago, I think. Um, but uh, Google acquired the company North, uh, smart glass makers, right? Or hmm. smart glasses makers, okay. uh, MR, AR, all that sort of stuff. Well, this is this is perfect coming off the heels of the antitrust stuff, right? Um, they announced uh, yesterday, I believe, that uh, focal smart glasses, and this is a quote, 
and its services are being discontinued and will no longer be available after July 31st, 2020. You won't be able to connect your glasses through the app or use any features, abilities, or experiments from your glasses. So Google is killing it. They're probably taking some of the technology away. They're canceling production of the 2.0 release of the glasses, and they are making the first ones basically worthless, and they're doing it overnight. Yeah, I mean, that. that, that, yeah, that's something that you got to... be concerned with too. I know uh, Google was, uh, they, they were either looking at or did acquire Fitbit too. Um, and I know a lot of that was being highly scrutinized about all this health data that they could be, you know, grabbing. And, and you know, when companies do acquisitions like that, is it truly just a patent grab so they can do their own thing? Are they really going to try to nurture and keep the product going in its own right? You know, I mean, that, that's always a concern anytime you see some of these acquisitions and mergers uh, happen is keeping existing products going. Versus just, nope, we're just here for the patents. Sorry about your loss. <laughs> yeah, or, or even anti-competitive in the sense of like, whoa, we're working on something that looks a lot like that. Um, the easiest way for us to use our trillions is to just buy that one and then put it on a shelf so it dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's, it, it's always a concern. What you got, Buley? Well, I'm trying to find the article you were talking about so I can link it into the show (laughs) notes. It's in the notes, man. You're saying, oh, you are. All my articles are in the notes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't scroll down. Okay. Oh, man. So they bought, oh, my gosh. (laughs) That that would frustrate me. I mean, but how many customers do they have? I don't know. I'm sure sure it's not huge because I hadn't even heard of North until they were being purchased. Not that I'm like the pulse of the tech community by any means. But yeah. um, what, what the other piece, because the, the other thread I thought was interesting to pull here too, is think about this. This is one of the reasons that I bristle a little bit whenever I see like a connected device that requires an application and an ecosystem and has like a service fee as an example, right? This is why I don't own Ring doorbells, not, not the crap on Ring, because I think what they're doing really cool is really cool. Sorry. But you, you could see like this is sort of a worst case scenario with technology like this, where you, you spent your dollars on something that was really neat and cutting edge and did some cool stuff. And then because it was acquired yeah. and shut down, it's worthless to you. Yeah, it no longer does what it used it. to do. And yeah. it's just because it was smart, quote unquote. And I, and I hate that trend in the industry in general, because I'm seeing a lot more of like the, if it has polish, it's because there's an app and there's an ongoing fee. And we, I we might see that in the data center world too. Yeah. Right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. As a service. will acquire a, sure. A, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I don't, I am personally, I'm not crazy about anything that has ongoing fees because I, I look at the total cost of ownership of stuff like that a little bit differently. Um, but but beyond that, it's not so much just that there's a fee associated with it, because I do have stuff that I pay monthly for. It's the idea that even though I'm paying for this and I've, I've come to rely on it, they could just shut down service overnight. It might just be because they, they hit critical mass, but they built it from the ground up to rely on that service. And now that service is going to fall out from underneath it. And now my camera is worthless. So the hardware has like literally no value. And that's well, that y'all, sucks. I hate that. Y'all take oh, that man. into consideration whenever you're looking at buying something like that. I do. Like whether but or I, not I don't think a lot of people do for acquisition. Yeah, I, I think too when you look at a device, you know, um, I guess it too it depends on the connectivity and how you know connected air quotes uh, it is to to you know. Uh, web functions and different things. You know, I, I have a I have a DSLR camera that I bought a couple of years ago, and yes, it's from 2014, but the thing still works. 
you know, it, it, it's perfectly happy. It's not tied to any paid service or anything. Yeah. Nikon could shut down and go out It'll of business, but I can still, still. yeah, I yep. can still use it. I still have lenses for it and things. Would I be able to get new lenses and firmware for it? No, but at the end of the day, it still kind of works. Well, and um, actually in, in those older cameras, the answer might still be yes, right? And that's, that's where, so Aaron, to answer your question, do I look at every company that I'm buying something from and think who might buy them? No, but I look for devices and I look for systems that are open enough to work without the company existing. Yeah. So is if it's a if it's a camera is it at least on vif, you know, friendly so that if their service which French? is an option, yeah, I, I, it's it's a O N V I V I think on, is what it is. It, it's a it's a an open video standard. So yeah, yeah. for right, instance, cool. instead of joke. using their app, you could also point it to your home NAS or a share on your on your desktop. So if you like their app and you like what the, the service offers, maybe you can get online, maybe you can pull it from anywhere, maybe you can check in on your house when you're you know, skiing down a mountainside. But if they ghost on you or, or just disappear tomorrow, you can just go into the camera settings and point it to something local and you still have a viable working you know, smart camera, if you will. And maybe it takes a little more work or, or tinkering on your end, but you could sure. potentially make that accessible outside. So I, I look at stuff that way, but I, I don't think most consumers do. I think most consumers say, what is the easiest, most polished device? That's what I want. But cheap, if, just, just if Ring about. got, yeah, exactly. If Ring got <laughs> shut down tomorrow, then how many of your Ring doorbells would still be useful to you? Whoops. Like if the yeah. app and their service yeah. was no longer available, can you do anything with that camera yeah. if they stop offering it? And then stuff like this, this acquisition, what what if Google just decides, because they own Ring, right? Amazon. Yeah. Do they? Think has Ring. Amazon. Oh, it, was, it was Amazon owns Ring. So I say Google has Nest. Um, yeah. Uh, if, if Amazon acquires or develops a new product and they just say, you know what? First generation uh, Ring doorbells, we're done updating those. And then they become a security risk because they have sunset the software side of that product. Oh, yeah. yeah. You now have a doorbell that is a like wide open security problem in your house, which effectively makes it not more than worthless. Worthless, It's dangerous. You know, that sucks. I mean, you could go, you could go into so many directions with planned obsolescence being one of them. Oh and, my gosh. And, and we haven't even touched privacy in any of this discussion either yeah. uh, with those big four companies. But, um, you know, the, the one thing I, I also wanted to bring up, we were talking about, you know, Facebook, Google, Apple uh, earlier. Uh, I did see something uh, that, that caught my attention earlier. I, it looks like uh, Google is running a new transatlantic cable uh, from New York to um, a city in the UK. And then, what I'm not clear on in the article is, is will it go from the UK down to Spain or will it at some point under the ocean split and go one side to the UK and another side to Spain? Um, according to the article I'd seen, they were, they were looking to link the US uh, with, with, with Spain specifically because um, uh, they wanted to expand some of their cloud offerings over in that region of Europe. So I think, wow. I think they said uh, 16 fiber pairs uh, would be, you know, uh, Put under undersea, and it would be owned and operated by Google uh, for the purpose of expand, expanding their cloud region uh, over in Spain. But uh, it would be privately owned by Google, and uh, I, I don't know when the work's set to begin. But it looks like I think they're shooting for a, a go live date of 2022. That's incredible. I just I like to imagine stats on that. I wonder about how slow that ship has to go to, to lay all that cable, and then and how know, many ships. And all like all this stuff. Okay, Are they using all, cool underwater robots too, though? 
Because I, I hope I hope the answer is yes. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, how do they, they, they? They work. They apparently they're working with a uh, a private subsea cable contractor. Uh, to, oh, it's got to gotta be robots. So, but I, I guess the project is going to be called the Grace Hopper Cable System. Cool. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, well, again, we'll throw it out there. Nobody's going to respond, but if you're working on this or know anything about it, come talk to us. This is, <laughs> this is wildly fascinating. It is. Uh, there's got to be all kinds of problems they're solving to, to get this done. You know what I mean? We, when you think about the depths of the ocean there and the just the challenges of how the ocean's like, tiny, how they have to design about? it. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you say? I said the ocean's tiny. What are you talking about? Yeah, well, right. Well, the, the curse <laughs> of nature of... Uh, the environment and you know weather issues and yeah, I mean it, it probably got it, it probably has to be an exact science and yeah it's kind of weird Doug it looks like it it does a fork like it kind of wise right before the UK and Spain yeah so that's that's, that's kind of what's like how do you do that do eight strands go to the UK and eight strands go down to Spain if you start with sixteen in New York or are you running two sets of sixteen pair fiber cables you know yeah. I, that's that's where it, you know wasn't kind of clear to me but. Uh, um, Somebody's got to know. Come on the show. Talk to us about it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I know somebody in our listeners, right? Yeah, <laughs> probably not. But hey, a listener has a friend that has a friend that has a friend that works too. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then all uh, right. Oh yeah, you got something else? Well, no. I just I, I know we're what uh, forty five minutes now, probably, huh? <laughs> yeah, I don't know when people drop off of this at these, at these points now, but uh, yeah. What else you I got? Know, we, Oh yeah, the, the last one I'd seen was um, uh, from a, this company called Density. I guess there was a uh, uh, prior to COVID nineteen, everybody was using this uh, tracking technology for uh, building occupancy to see, you know, how people, you know, effective use of space, right? So when when we were going into offices and cubes, you know, how how packed were the office buildings, and you know, do we shift to hotel cubes or or shared spaces or, or just different things like that to to kind of show how full or empty a, a, a building was at any given day of the week? Well, I guess. Um, now with COVID hitting, I guess everybody's looking at this uh, to, uh, um, you know, l- look at density of, of, of office and retail spaces to see how many people are actually, um, you know, occupying these spaces that they're paying, I'm sure, good good money for. Yeah. Um, but I guess because of that, because of this interest uh, in the in the technology, um, you know, their their shares, I, I think, are are, are, are you know, or they're increasing uh, new rounds of funding for this startup uh, uh, called Density. So it, it looked kind of interesting to me. It kind of reminded me of um, you ever see those parking garages in major cities where it's like you know there are 193 spaces left <laughs> or yes. available. You know, it, it kind of reminds That's me like of DFW that. DFW Airport works that way now, and it's brilliant because they've got an and-on system up on the up on the ceiling too. So not only do you know how many spaces there are, but you can kind of see at a glance which where they are. It's awesome. Yeah, and for, and for people with special needs too, I've even seen them bro- broken down where you know we have so many uh, special needs spaces available uh, yeah, uh, in the garage as well. So yeah. it kind of looks like what they did for cars and parking garages, but for people. Oh, uh, I'm cool. not I'm not sure necessarily of like you know uh, are they using facial recognition or this or that or are they just counting. No, it looks like know. it's counter. So if you go to density.io, this is a neat find, man. Uh, if you go to density.io, it is a lot like that the the parking garage thing, right? Where it just tells so you. Cool. Yes, there's a car in this spot or not. This mm-hmm. looks like it sits over doorways or hallways or whatever, right? And then you can see it shows you the human view and the sensor view. Cool. The sensor view is just a dark background. And then as people walk by, it looks kind of like uh, the inverse of a shadow or something like that. But it's just an overhead view. And it can count 
you know, ingress and, and egress and all that kind of stuff. And, and, I and actually, and actually I, I misspoke the, earlier yeah. because of the COVID uh, pandemic and everything going on, um, the companies are looking at this, not necessarily for, you know, how well the office spaces are being used. I mean, let's be honest, most people have shifted to work from home. Uh, I misspoke. The article was, was talking more about, um, hey, this grocery store has a, a maximum capacity now of 300 people because yeah. we don't want to pack the stores Sure, uh, you know social distancing and everything, so they want to use this this density service to to more accurately count how many people are in the building at any given time. Um, yeah, no, that's great I because I mean it's good that. for fire limits as well, right? Just there's there's a lot of safety yeah, stuff. Yeah, fire occupancy. Uh, you know what will be really interesting to see, and I wonder how well density will uh, will do in this space, and I wonder who their other com- competitors really are, too, but um, I, I read an article, gosh, this isn't in the show notes, and I'm not sure I'd be able to dig it up easily. I'd have to test my Google food, but um, <laughs> not... Uh, oh, you know what it was? No, I, this would be straightforward, because I think it was actually um, Mark Cuban and his uh, anonymous shoppers that did some assessments in Dallas, and they were talking about companies and how well they were doing their stores and how well they were doing with uh, some of the the quote requirements in Texas for operating business right now. And um, they didn't name names of stores, but they talked about like massive home, you know, resellers and stuff like that. And, and they just sort of used the, you know, major Mexican restaurant chain, for instance. Right. But um, the number of stores that were actually following like occupancy guidelines was very low. Right. Yeah, and it it pointed out, and I recall this just from my my own shopping experience, that like Home Depot, as an example, um, they were and still are tracking the number of people that go into the store. They use two yeah, employees was, all day, my, every yeah, day was, to get it done. That was my experience too. When all this started, was you yep. know you go in the store and you have somebody with a clicker going, okay, I, yeah. I got two more that just came in the store, and then when you leave, hey, two just left, and it's like well, this doesn't seem very efficient. <laughs> I could see these to every Home Depot in any city that requires that right now. Like, Tyler, how quickly can you get it out? Off of, your, off of your line right now. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Welcome to the internet. <laughs> yeah. Are you hearing that, Doug? Yeah, I am. Yeah. I, I got nothing. I'm past a minute or so. Just right where I'm supposed to be. Out. I could try rebooting, but what's the point? That's all right. <laughs> well, that I think I maybe that's... Yeah, I was going to say, maybe that's it. That's a good reason to cut it off. I think we got a lot of content. I'm going to move some stuff to another day. That was fun. But I am going to do a little PSA, unless, Aaron, you've got something else you want to drop in real quick. No, man. I think this 45 minutes is a, is a complete episode here. Yeah, I think uh, so, we too. We certainly beat the movie theater thing to death. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. Let's uh, let's catch up on Friday. Well, cool. Well, before before I let it go and catch up with everybody on Friday, um, I am, I'm going to mention this, and we won't talk about it. But uh, remember those toxic hand sanitizers we talked about? Uh, we yeah. brought them up a couple of times now. Apparently, that list is growing. This this is super irritating to me because again, anybody doing this knows exactly what they're doing. You you do not have all of the things you need to produce alcohol and not understand how toxic methanol is. So this is just I mean, it's really messed up that it's happening. But the FDA has a Yikes. list of uh, suppliers that are making their hand sanitizers with methanol instead of ethanol, and the methanol is toxic. It will mess you up. Do not use it. Go check out that list in the show notes. And uh, that brings another episode of Tech Breakfast Podcast to a close. Y'all, thanks for listening. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And if you've got any feedback, general or specific, if you've got headlines we missed, let us know. Reach out. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. And we will talk to you on Friday. Doug, 
Thanks for joining us, man. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Doug, it's good to hear your voice again, dude. Hey, Tyler, thanks. let's get you a real mic. No. <laughs> yes. I'm thinking about starting a Patreon for what we're doing just to buy you a mic since you refuse. Uh, okay, right. stop talking. Bye, guys. Way too ecstatic. Bye. <laughs> See you guys. <laughs>